0: if we're measuring user experience the first thing we should do is talk about what user experience means if you look at the definition of user experience the essential definition says that it's all aspects of every interaction with a brand or a company or a product and the services it provides that all-encompassing definition makes it very hard to then operationalize how you measure because how do you measure everything
1: Welcome to UXpeditious, a show that brings you quick, insightful interviews with design, product, and UX leaders.
2: In each interview, we dive into how UX research impacts user insights, shaping the design and business strategy of some of our favorite tech tools and products. I'm
1: Alfonso Dilanuez, co-CEO and co-founder of UserZoom.
2: And I'm Dana Bishop, VP of Strategic Research Partners at UserZoom.
1: And we are your hosts. Our guest today is Christian Rohrer, computer scientist, designer, researcher, author, and leader in the user experience field. He's worked at a number of major companies in the design and experience industry, Yahoo, McAfee, Capital One, and eBay, just to name a few.
2: In today's episode, we're gathering insights from Christian on a subject you could say he's an expert on, the business of measuring and quantifying UX.
1: Thanks, Christian, for doing this with us, man. My pleasure. I was thinking about topics for the podcast and UX measurement was definitely going to be one of them. We'd love to hear from you on your passion for measurement, why it is an important process for teams and companies to consider as they mature in user experience.
0: Well, let's break it down a little bit, because if we're measuring user experience, the first thing we should do is talk about what user experience means. And if you look at the definition of user experience from various authorities, whether it's the Nielsen Norman Group or IXDA or whoever, the essential definition says that it's all aspects of every interaction with a brand or a company or a product and the services it provides. And that all-encompassing definition makes it very hard to then operationalize how you measure, because how do you measure everything? are you going to go out and measure every single touch point that you have with a customer? Are you going to pull that all together and have some Uber score? And that may be a good way to do it and certainly an effort worth trying. With an all-encompassing definition like that, let's decide which element or aspect of user experience we're going to measure first. And then we can contract down into how that would best be done methodologically or pragmatically. While there are lots of elements of user experience, I, I tend to think of it in a simple way. I tend to think about... User experience has to really start with meeting a user need, you know, providing some kind of value that the user gains from the company. That actually has to be the most central thing that we provide. It's the value proposition. And then outside of that are the more traditional layers of the digital user experience that, that people think about. There might be the tasks that people perform, the ease of those tasks, how we get those things done. Or there may be the information architecture and the content and the way we speak to the customer. Or there's the visual design, the way we present ourselves in a visual manner. And they all work together. Those outer layers definitely work together to allow the customer to reach that value that we offer. But they're a little bit different in that the value depends very much on the domain. Right now I'm in banking and the value you offer to those customers is going to be very different than my last job where we were providing security. The other elements, like how good the visual design is, how clear the content is, how easy it is to perform tasks in order to get my needs met as a user, those are kind of governed in a way by pretty universal principles. Once you know that, once you know that, okay, the interaction and the use of a product, there are some principles behind that, then you can start to figure out, well, how do we measure those, whether those principles are available or not? So what I like to do when measuring user experiences is to say, all right, which aspect or element are we talking about first? Now let's go zoom in on how you actually do that.
2: Can you give us a breakdown of the PURE method, starting with what PURE stands for?
0: PURE stands for Practical Usability Ratings by Experts. And it is intended to be an alternative way, if you will, to measure the ease of use for a product or a service for a specific type of user and against a limited set of tasks. The way you generally conduct a pure methodology is you first start by being clear about who's the target user type we're talking about when using this product or service. And that's necessary for a lot of reasons, but mainly because it's important to know who your most important customer is, but then you'll see when I explain how the rating method works, you kind of need it to be able to do it successfully. And then you limit the number of tasks that you are able to score or provide a score on just to make it practical, to make it usable, I should say, to make it doable for the practitioners that are creating it.
2: How do you determine what those tasks are? So you're limiting the tasks. What method do you use to figure out which are the tasks?
0: There are a couple ways to do it. You may have heard of the term top tasks, uh, if that may be a methodology that's pretty popular. That's a way where you determine what the top tasks customers have by actually surveying them and finding out what matters to them most. But the way I do it is by having a conversation with the design leaders and the product management leaders, and I try to ask them, what is fundamental for this user type to be successful and for our business to be successful? I try to say the five to ten fundamental tasks or if it's a more complex product, like an enterprise product, maybe up to 20. And you know, a typical response from a product manager will be, well, all of our features are important. It's everything. And then you really have to press them to reduce that set down just to make it really pragmatic. You can't apply the method when it's every single possible use case and flow that you could be reviewing. And that leads me to another point I want to make, which is, While it sounds like the pure method is a research method, it's actually not. It's an analytical method, meaning it's a way to produce a score, kind of like consumer reports will show you how good or bad a product is against various criteria. But this is a way to provide a score that reflects its likely ease of use for the target audience.
1: So when you say it's not a research, it's because you're not actually involving end users, right? That's right.
0: It's not empirical, meaning we're not gathering data from users. Now, that sounds like blasphemy. I know that sounds like we should never do that. But there are other analogies you could think of that make sense here. One analogy I like to use is if you were to review something like a gymnastics performance or an ice skating performance, that performance is judged a certain way. There is a set of rules and a way that judges, a panel of judges, reviews it and scores it, depending on the difficulty and how well the, the athlete performs the moves that they have. Similarly, a product, if you look at its the way it presents itself to a user in the fundamental tasks that have been defined, there are principles, going back to the UX principles, that it either exhibits, it either has or doesn't have. And those principles are what help you see whether this would be for the target user, likely to allow them to easily use it or not. This now tells you why it's important to know who the target audience is, because if I told you we're going to evaluate from the perspective of anybody or everybody, it would be very hard to come up with a score that would have reliability amongst different raters and be valid because someone who's very technically adept is going to be more able to accomplish certain tasks than someone who's less technically adept.
2: I think there's a a key difference that I found really interesting between a heuristic evaluation and a pure method. If you wouldn't mind talking about kind of where that they're both expert involved rather than end users, but there's some key differences that are really interesting.
0: There sure are. The main thing is that the heuristic evaluation methodology has a certain way of being done where the raters, the way it was defined by Jacob Nielsen, anyway, the raters are independently reviewing a product on their own. And that's, good for the purpose of finding and evaluating and really reviewing anything and everything that might be a potential usability issue. What it does is it means that they see very different things and in a different level of timing, if you will. One thing that Pure does to help alleviate the fact that different raters will find really, really different experiences is that it lets them see the same experience at the same time. Just like a panel of judges is seeing The same performance at the same time they're not seeing a different performance they're seeing the same one and that allows them to have the same context
1: how does the pure method impact business and product strategy
0: we know that measures and measurements are very impactful to business and strategy and for decision makers this is a fact we can't get away from it they need and want numbers and okay But the challenge that we often have, and and you know from your years at UserZoom, how getting regular numbers that reflect ease of use or user experience can be challenging. It's not at all impossible. It's, It's very doable. But let's say that we want to do a benchmark of our core product, and we want to know how well it's doing in terms of ease of use. The way most companies are set up, it's impractical to get that done that frequently. Maybe it's done yearly or every six months. That's a fairly intense kind of study. And it does require a good number of participants. So you may be running through your panel of participants quickly if you do that. And if you reuse people, then you have the problem of them knowing the task already and then now doing it again. So there's some some effects there you want to avoid. The pure method isn't better because anything empirical, I think, is better than something like pure. But pure does have a strong overlap. And When you have it on a regular basis, like you could have a pure score produced in less than a week, that allows you to apply it to the regular cycle of business. And then that allows you to insert those numbers and scorecards into regular business conversation. And then that allows decisions that are strategic and important to be made.
2: I think um, one of the things that also is interesting, thinking about heuristic evaluations, which I think we've both done many of over the years, and you're looking at everything and you're trying to pick apart everything and you're trying to get down into the weeds and the details of everything. Whereas the pure, you're keeping those top tasks. And one of the struggles in my past has been trying to present such detailed information from a heuristic review to executives. And it's not as tangible and it's not as connected to the business goals, right? Whereas you're focusing on those core top tasks. I would imagine it's a lot easier to understand, and it has a much higher impact on that executive rather than a research team, right? You're talking to a different level.
0: You're right that the executive team doesn't really want to nerd out on the details of the the interaction and the heuristic that was violated and what severity it is. That's kind of almost too much detail for them. But what they do like is that high-level scorecard. It shows them exactly where to focus what to worry about. And then what we do with the Peer method, in addition to providing a scorecard that summarizes the ease of use of the top tasks for the most important user, is behind every single score, and each little score is a step in one of the tasks, there is a companion. Usually we use some kind of a slideshow, like a PowerPoint or a Keynote. There's a separate slide that shows either one or two screens of that step, and then it has all these callouts that describe what is the actual issue with this particular step or what caused it to get a red three score or a yellow two or a green one what could be improved what that does is that combination of the scorecard up front with the lengthy deck afterwards with all the details it gives people two things they need do i have a problem yes okay i see where the problems are what do i need to do about it go here go here go here and you flip the page and you go right to that slide and there you are. It gives them and the design and the product team a way to go to get out of the trough of despair, which you might be creating with a lot of red.
2: Right. So it's simple in its presentation, the visual red, yellow, and green, a single score, but it's actionable in that you've then had the details behind it of, okay, here's the issue. Here's what you do with it. And I would imagine that addresses more audiences than just the executives. It also gives the UX team somewhere to go.
0: It sure does. And, and we know that UX teams and designers, they really thrive on qualitative insights and information about the root of the underlying problem they're trying to solve. And while this doesn't really qualify as an insight coming from research, you know, it, it does kind of indirectly. Because when you do the pure method, you have to do it with a panel of trained raters or experts.
1: Christian, thank you so much.
2: Thank you for being here.
0: Thank you, Alfonso and Dina. It was my pleasure.
1: That's Christian Rohrer, Vice President of Experience Design at TD Bank.
2: Thanks for listening to UXpeditious. Make sure to continue listening to our new episodes each week for quality insights from UX industry leaders. If you like what you heard, help us out by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform.
1: UXpeditious is produced by UserZoom in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team. Christopher Radcliffe from UserZoom and the team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Saf, Amy Machado, Hannah Pedersen, Colleen Pellisier, and Jason Mack.